Hey friends, wherever you're joining us from, we're so glad that you're part of this conversation and this time of worship today. You're part of people gathering in person at our Rock Island and Bettendorf campuses, those gathering in Kiwani and all across the region on television and online. And we're so grateful that we get to press into these moments together. You know, as part of this season, we've been invited to step in and be fully present in mind, body, spirit, and community. And part of how we've been doing that is by stepping into or inviting new practices together in each of those arenas of life. This week, we're talking about a body practice because our bodies are such a substantial part of our whole life, including our spiritual lives. So throughout this season, from now until Easter, we enter into a time we call Lent. It's a space and place where Christians all over the world pause and create space to encounter Jesus in very real, very tangible ways, moving from where we are toward the cross and the empty tomb. One of the ways that we participate in that is through a body practice called fasting. It's where we let go of something to create room for something else, something that could be good and great even. It doesn't have to be food. It can be something where we're more physically present by maybe stepping away from screens for a while or by choosing to engage in a new physical practice instead of a sedentary one. It's an invitation for you and for me to release something that's a regular part of our rhythm and instead pursue Jesus intentionally, taking that time, that effort, and that energy to focus on Him, to offer ourselves wholly to Him, and to see just what it is that He might have for us to receive in these days. So this week, we invite you to find time to identify a practice of letting something go physically. You'll find these practices and other invitations for us throughout this season on this special Lenten card. It's full of different practices that we're inviting the body into. You can find that at heritageqc.com right on the homepage. And we encourage you to walk through these with you, with yourself and your family throughout this season. We believe God has incredible things for us as we release what we have to receive something even better. Heaven comes to fight for me. 
Friends, I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to, to gather in worship um, and to connect wherever we are and celebrate our God, who is great, who is holy, who is loving, and who is for us, and a God who invites us into relationship with Him. Uh, you know, we've entered into this time of Lent, and we've been talking about, you know, how do we make room for God to be more active in our lives? Henry Nouwen said this about Lent, and as we prepare our hearts for prayer, I just wanted to frame our time of prayer um, by having us consider this. Lent is a time of returning to God. It's a time to confess how we keep looking for joy and peace and satisfaction in the many people and things surrounding us without ever really finding what we desire. You see, only God can give us what we, what we really want. And so we must be reconciled with God. This season of Lent helps us cry out in a special way for God's mercy. You know, when Jesus was here, uh, he taught us, he taught the believers um, to pray in a, in a special way to God. Um, and so we call that the Our Father prayer. And so I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with us. Um, one of the lines that I've really been meditating on, especially as we enter into the season of Lent, is your kingdom come, Lord, and your will be done. Um, and I'm just so aware that, that that's not gonna happen if I'm exerting my will. <laughs> um, his will can't really be accomplished if, if I'm not surrendered to, to what he wants to do in me and through me. And that's our invitation as individuals, but it's also our invitation as a community of believers that, that we would be surrendered to his will being done and that we would get to see his kingdom come. So let's pray this prayer together. As Jesus taught us, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen and amen. Let's continue to worship as we, as we hear the, the reading of God's word and the teaching um, from God's heart to yours.
everybody. Have you ever noticed the difference between pulling a rope and pushing a rope? Ever considered what happens when we push versus pull? See, pushing a rope actually accomplishes very little. It, it moves very little. It has a limited impact. And in the end, if we're not careful, we keep pushing, we could end up with just a bunched up, balled up mess. But pulling, pulling straightens it out. Pulling engages the entire rope. It moves the whole thing. And it can even, as we pull, draw and advance whatever it's connected to. See, when we, when we start at the right end and exert effort in the right direction, we can accomplish something. Great things can happen. It's true in the context of pushing versus pulling a rope. But it's also true in the context of faith and life. Uh, in things that are public or private, big things, small things. Really, it's true in the context of, of anything that has to do with the things of God. The things of God actually play a role in a broader ripple in our lives and the lives of other people, which is one reason why over the last two weeks we've taken time to understand this thing called the church. Uh, the Greek word ekklesia is where we get the idea and understanding of the church. And we've not been trying to understand what we think it is, but really what God says it is. What, what Jesus says the church is for and why it exists. And we haven't been really talking about specific or individual churches. We've been talking more about what we could call the big C church, the capital C church, the global church. And quite honestly, there are different expressions of the global church. It, the global church is the one that Jesus established for his purpose. There are different expressions of it. There are different nuances, even different denominations. But any and every church that identifies Jesus as Savior and Lord is called out and sent out in his name. In fact, it was Peter. Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. He, he identified and spoke to who this group of people, because the church is a people, the ecclesia, what they, what they really are, what they represent. Here's what he said in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. It's a fantastic thing to realize we are chosen and we are special in the eyes of God and that we are called out to declare his praises. Psalm 113 says, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, the name of the Lord will be praised. It's our job to praise him, to declare praise. It's what we're supposed to do. We're the ones to do it. And Peter is describing us, well, at least who we should be, called out, set apart for his purpose. If we actually follow Jesus. Now, this people, these people that Peter's describing, this is the church, the ecclesia, as I said, that Greek word. It describes the people called out and sent out, the people called out by Jesus for Jesus. And if we don't know that, we don't know who calls us out and what we're called out for, well, then we don't understand how to live into what we're created for or into the cool things that Peter describes right here, what he just said. And we end up struggling as if we're pushing a rope. But when we do understand, when we do know, oh man, there's tons of clarity. The knotted messes of our lives can be straightened out and we can move forward. It's true for individuals, but it's true for the corporate body, the, the church. Because the church is a people. It's not 
It's not buildings and programs and activities. Those things play a part, but they're not the point. But yet when we make buildings and programs and activities the point, we actually miss out and we become people who are pushing rather than pulling in life. I gotta tell you, that's not very satisfying and it's rather frustrating. Look, if you're just now leaning in into our conversation in Ecclesia, I wanna encourage you to go back and to catch the first two conversations. If you're just willing to look at one, look at the first one. They give context for how we fit into God's greater story, how things work in life and how God calls us into his purpose for his glory. And we all know that when we step into something midstream, it's kind of confusing. Every time I have sat down with my wife, Beth, when she's in the middle of a movie or TV show, man, I'm lost. (laughs) I'm like, who's that? What are they doing? What's happening? And if you're just now leaning into this conversation, I'm thrilled that you're here, but I want to encourage you to go back and catch up in the rest of the conversation at heritageqc.com. Again, if you're only able to check out one, only willing to check out one, check out the first one. But here's what I want to do today. I want us to move in a process of understanding how we can be a people who don't necessarily have to walk through life pushing, but pulling alongside God and his greater purposes. See, God actually reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the three in one, the Trinity. It's beautiful, it's mysterious, and it is the reality. And he does this because he seeks and wants relationship with us, with you and me. In fact, God the Father, he himself is love. He does nothing apart from love. He, because he is love, he expresses love, and because he first loved us, we can love him in return. It's beautiful, it is wonderful. But this thing that we know as sin, fractured all of that, broke it apart. This just ruined it all. So that the love that the Father has for us, we can't experience in relationship. But the Father loved us enough to send the Son, Jesus, to live and die and rise again, to conquer sin and death so that we can have life, but also to establish this thing that we know as the church, the ecclesia, the called out, sent out ones. This is who we're supposed to be. And when Jesus established this, he didn't just say, hey, you're the church, do whatever you want. He actually gives us specific framework to work in. He gives us a why. He gives a a what and a framework for how. And we need to understand what those are to be able to live fully into it, to really be someone who pulls alongside with Jesus and not necessarily pushing against, resisting, or creating a big mess along the journey. So let's just talk for a moment about the why. We could say that the why is simply that we exist to fulfill the great commission in the spirit of the great commandment. Now let me just explain that for a moment. We know and identify the great commission uh, as what Jesus said in Matthew 28. He says, therefore, go and make disciples. And he gives some other details behind that. But the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. Matthew 28. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So when we say the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment, to fulfill that in the spirit of this, we're talking about making disciples as we love God and love others. That's why we exist. (laughs) That's why we're here. Now, what we do to accomplish that is simply connecting people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. This is what we do as the ecclesia. We are connecting people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. And then that positions us to live into a how. 
how we go about doing that. And what this narrative ends up being, what this image ends up showing us is that it is about a father who sends a son and a son who sends a people empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're talking about relationship out of love. We're talking about a purpose out of an identity. And we're talking about an empowerment to a mission. And the reality is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live as the Son calls us, and the Son gives us access to the Father, the Father who loves. And what we're really talking about in this whole narrative is understanding our identity in who we are that leads us into understanding how we live and what we do. This is identity and purpose empowered. This is relationship. This is purpose. This is empowerment by the Holy Spirit. This is what we're actually doing when we talk about living into the identity as the church. There is a why, there's a what, and there is a how. We need all of this to be healthy. We are created for intimacy with God. We are created for a healthy relationship with other people, but we're also created to give ourselves away. And we have a choice in this. Are we going to be part of this or not? But the goal is not to be a people who start here and push this way, but a people who start here in our identity and pull out of our identity in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit into who we're supposed to be. This is the pulling process. This is pushing. It does not work in order to do something to become something. We are to be someone out of him so that we can then do. It is our being leading to our doing. That's pulling the rope. Doing something in order to become something, that's pushing and it doesn't work. You know, we're not the only ones to have explored or leaned into this. In fact, the early members of the ecclesia had their own journey in this arena. If you have your Bible, you can jump back with me to Acts chapter 2. This is starting in verse 42. It says that they, the ecclesia, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It's good. It's good stuff. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And this, this is a beautiful picture of a simple, joyful, daily pursuit of pulling right alongside God and not pushing, not in resistance, not making it about them, but making it about his priority. And any time we read about the church and the scripture and the impact of the early church, it's all rooted in a very clear foundation around the right why, the what, and the space for a how. The, the church in this moment recorded here gives some very key and healthy dynamics of a church. But those how, those, those expressions are not the point. We are to gather for worship. We are to, to study God's word together, but we are also empowered to a greater purpose. We're empowered for something more. See, the early church had the same love, had the same spirit, same Lord, same mission. But one of the reasons why the power of God was so evident in that Acts 2 church was that they reached a point where Jesus became more important to them than their comfort more important than their preferences, more important than their possessions. And whenever you and I lay hold of Jesus, we actually let go of ourselves. We're in a space to, to stop pushing against him, to actually lean in and pull alongside in his design and in his purpose, pulling in the same direction as him. And, and the mission that he gives us, man, it compels us, it drives us forward to risk, to step in bold obedience. And the Holy Spirit empowers us 
to live into it, to live into what is really a cause worth dying for. And we know that because Jesus already did. He already did. And I got to tell you, I think it's a natural human proclivity to be tempted to really drift into how easy it is to posture ourselves and focus ourselves on our own needs, our own comforts, and our own interests. But when we truly and fully follow Jesus, and then his love and his mission compel us to invest beyond ourselves, beyond ourselves. Yet, yet whenever we detach, when we detach from the mission, we attach to ourselves. When we detach from the mission of Jesus, we attach to ourselves. That means that when we stop living for God, we start living for ourselves. We make life about us, our preferences, our practices, even our strategies, the how we go about life and what we do. And that's how we lose sight of our greater purpose. And we end up pushing rather than pulling alongside. And too many people can make the church too small. And whenever we actually prioritize our own comfort, our own personal agenda, our preferences, or a limited perspective on what the church is supposed to be and what it's positioned to accomplish. Whenever we look only to our own interests and not the interests of others, it always keeps us out of step with God. And whenever we detach from his mission, we inherently end up attaching to ourselves. You know, every church has a unique thumbprint. Every church is unique in its impact in the world and has the same mission, but has different locations. They're not all the same. They have different opportunities, they have different theology, but it is a beautiful mosaic that is as varied as the people within it. The why is clear. The what is consistent and constant. The how, oh man, that, the, the how can change. The, 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 the mission does not, but how we go about it, the practices, the opportunities, they can change. Now, let me just take a moment to say this. We do not exist as the ecclesia, as the church, to live in comparison. That We are each accountable individually and corporately for the uniqueness that God has given us. But we're not to live in comparison or competition with other churches. Under Jesus, we are one church, one Lord, one baptism, one God, one Father. We're, we're one, and we're not to compare and compete. But we can celebrate the differences because we don't look the same. We don't all act the same or even express ourselves the same. We don't even impact the same people. And that's all okay. That's actually good. But I want to be really clear in what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that all roads lead to God because they don't. Jesus himself said that he was the only way to God. In fact, write down this, this verse reference. John chapter 14, verse 6. John 14, 6. Read what Jesus said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you struggle to embrace the idea that there's only one way to God, and it's Jesus, lean into that verse and consider what he's saying. Because either he lied, he's crazy, or he actually is the only way. That's an important understanding of what we're going to look at, how we look at him in this life, and what that means for us, whether we're pulling alongside of him or whether we're pushing against him. But he is the only way, I'm telling you. And the uniqueness of his church is expressed in each unique thumbprint. And as a people, we are called and exist to connect people to God, to each other, and to our purpose. How the Heritage Church family expresses that is reflected in our local, regional, and global engagements. Our commitment to connecting people to God, to each other, and to their purpose is reflected in the fact that we have two centers of collaboration in our cities. 
it's reflected in our multiple partnerships with other organizations who, who love and serve families in our communities. It's reflected in our posture where we want more for people than from them. Man, we have received so much from Jesus that we want to give, not necessarily sit in a space to get, which really positions us to care for the least, the last, and the lost of this world. Listen, prioritizing Jesus is the only way. Understanding the authority of God's word and making sure we're reaching the lost. That's essential. Everything else is secondary. It's up, in some ways open to discussion. It's the how of what we do. We just come back to this context here. The reality is this component of how has freedom. There's a lot of space to move, a lot of space to determine different ways of programs and activities and timing and investments. These things do not change. And we're a church that seeks to do anything and everything that God asks. And we never wanna push against him. We wanna pull alongside him. And so we'll forfeit comfort. We'll set aside what we want, what we prefer, so that we can step into places of need, spaces where there are gaps, so that the love of God can be made known and people can understand who they are in him so they can live fully into who he created them to be and to do. This is why we exist. There's a very clear mission. There's a very clear vision. When it gets to strategy, man, there's room to move. There's space to move. And it's incredibly important that strategy, this, this how component, is something that should never take priority in determining unity. This should never take priority in determining unity. Even if it's something we love, we have great affinity for, we have, it's been very meaningful for us, this practice, this investment. It should not take the primary priority in determining unity because it's not the most important thing. It's not the point. He's the point. And we want to be a people who lean into understanding and living out that Jesus is the point. Now, hang with me. You say, okay, I, I, you may be thinking, great, I've learned about the church, the global church, local church, even our church in specifics. And, but what does it actually mean for me as an individual? Well, how does this play out in my life? Well, the whole point is that we aren't made to exist unto ourselves. We aren't created to live as lone rangers living on our own, looking out for our own interests. We're, we exist as part of a divine dynamic with a great purpose, part of something much bigger than ourselves. Yet when we make faith and life about us, we make it small and we make ourselves less. See, Jesus gives us a twofold purpose, relationship with him and leading others into that same relationship. There is no higher calling than that. The ability to establish love relationship with God and to help others do the same. But if we don't know our purpose, well, then we end up pushing rather than pulling. And that's frustrating. We don't find, find happiness and fulfillment. We carry burdens and complexities we don't actually need to carry. But if we understand what we're created for, if we understand why we're here, then life on earth can be dramatically different. In fact, our life can be radically different because of Jesus. There is power, there is purpose, there is hope, there is freedom, healing, and love. Jesus came to rescue us from a kingdom of darkness and bring us into a kingdom of light. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've rebelled against God. There are things in our journeys that we regret, things and there are failures, things we wish that had never happened. We all long for second chances, but the beauty of what Jesus does is he creates space for that. An opportunity to live into who we're supposed to be called out and sent out. We're created for him. It's incredibly simple, but often we don't realize that we are designed for far more than we ultimately live into. But because of Jesus, who he is, what he's done, 
<laughs> what he is doing, everything can change. We can be reconciled to God. We can find freedom from addictions and brokenness. We can be empowered to live into our purpose. Everything changes. We are created for intimacy with God, healthy relationship with others, and to give ourselves away. I wonder if you actually are. I wonder if you're in a posture where you're pushing rather than pulling. See, I, I want to be honest with you. I don't have all of this stuff figured out. This is just what I, what I know and understand right now. As I've leaned into studying the Word of God, as I've journeyed with other people, all of it's rooted in what He has declared here. And I'll tell you, I am not perfect, and I don't have all the answers. And I will say this, if you bump into somebody who says that they have it all figured out, they have all the answers, and they have everything about God figured out, it's proof that they actually don't. He is much bigger than our ability to put into a box and into our understanding. But he calls us into knowing him. He calls us into spaces of wisdom. And there is wisdom in the collective gathering of his people. And the church, the ecclesia, is a collective of individuals engaged in an eternal dynamic to change a global paradigm. Is it imperfect? Absolutely. For sure. In fact, if you're looking for a perfect church, I just want to encourage you to stop. Because <laughs> it doesn't exist. The moment you and I are in it, we bring our own dysfunction. There is no perfect church. but We do have a perfect Savior. And he calls us into a life of meaning and purpose. Sometimes the dysfunction of our brokenness can get in the way, but it can also just all boil down to the fact that we're nothing more than one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And as a dysfunctional family saved by grace, it can be complicated, but it's worth it. Yet we cannot become who God created us to be if we make ourselves the focus. This thing we're talking about is not about you and me. It includes us, but it's for others. And we are to be the called out, sent out people who declare, who point to Jesus, clean, redeemed, restored, but done so for even greater purpose. Yet if you want to make life and God and faith about you, you are already out of step with him already leaning away and pushing against his purpose and his plan. But if you're willing to let him transform you by his Holy Spirit, you're willing to let Jesus, by the Spirit, empower you for great purpose, then you can be part of something that cannot be contained or fully understood in this life. But it all points to and comes from and stems from Jesus. There is no perfect church, but there is a perfect Savior. And it's him that we turn to and look to. So, as we press into God, as the ecclesia, understanding that we are rooted in what has been, but also reaching and pulling alongside Christ for what can be. We want to live into being that chosen people, the royal priesthood, that special possession, then and now. In fact, I think the invitation today is really just to consider, are you pushing or pulling? Are you pushing against God, trying to do something in order to become something? Or are you pulling out of your identity in Him and leaning into great purpose? Where, where is there a space in here where he wants you to offer up your comfort for his kingdom? Where are you in this journey of identity and into purpose? This is an opportunity to just process that. And if you, you are ready to live in the love of the Father and, and walk in power through the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, then you can do that in a simple prayer today. I will show you that prayer in a moment, but if you're not quite ready, you're still wrestling, you're spiritually unresolved in this, I want to encourage you to text FAITH to the number on your screen. We'll give you an access to a link to a PDF that lets you kick around in this and dig around on your own. 
But if you're someone who's saying, man, I'm ready to step into an identity with Jesus. I'm ready to live in the full power of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to walk in the fullness of what I was created for. Then there's an opportunity for you today to have a conversation. Maybe you've had this conversation before, but you've been pushing. You realize you've been pushing rather than pulling in your journey in life, and you want to get back to actually pulling alongside Jesus. Wherever you fit in that, the step here today is to admit that you, like everybody else, are a sinner in need of forgiveness. Just admit that you have sinned and then acknowledge and ask God to forgive you through Jesus and then seek to live in relationship with him, empowered by the Holy Spirit for more. You were created for great impact, great purpose. But it's a choice to step into it. And it's one of pulling out of our identity, out of love, into purpose, into power. Not doing something in order to earn something. We receive this. And we receive power out of an identity in Jesus. That's the invitation. So if you're ready for that, if you're ready to take that next step, this is the prayer that you can pray today. We're going to put it up on the screen. I'm going to let it stay on the screen for a while. I'll let you just have your own conversation with God today. But I want to take a moment to pray as we lean back into worship and give you an opportunity to continue to reflect and process whether you're living a life that is pushing or pulling out of identity and purpose and power in the one true risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son, I thank you for the love that you give us, and I thank you for the invitation to great purpose. May you speak, lead, and direct all of us in these next few moments. I pray this in Jesus' name.
into my Egypt And you took me by the hand And you marched me out in freedom Into the promised land Now I will not forget you, God I'll sing of all you've done Death is swallowed up forever By the fury of your love Cause you stepped into my Egypt you took me by the hand and you marched me out in freedom into the promised land now i will not forget you god i'll sing of all you've done death is swallowed up forever by the fury of your love you're the god who fights for me lord
I love the hopeful truth that we are who God says that we are. And I also love being part of a church that roots so intentionally everything we do in who Jesus is, who he says we are, who he invites us to grow and to become. If you want to take your next step in becoming all that Jesus has made you to be, then we encourage you to follow those steps that Pastor Sean mentioned earlier. By stepping into relationship with him, you can explore that through text, or you can connect with us at any time using the Church Center app or scrolling to the bottom of heritageqc.com and filling out a Connect card with us. A member of our pastoral team will reach out to you in the days ahead to follow up and help you find and take your next step of receiving all that God has for you in these days. You know, we're so thankful for the ways that God is continuing to use Heritage as a family as we see people coming to fullness of life in Jesus, experiencing hope and life as never before. When you pray, when you serve, when you give, you're part of every single one of those stories. So thank you for being part of those stories. If you want to take your next step of connecting and prayer, service, or giving, again, we encourage you to connect with us at heritageqc.com or right there on the Church Center app. No, we're praying for you. We expect that the best days are ahead for you, for your family, for Heritage, for our cities. We can't wait to see what God has in store. We'll see you soon.